Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Hello, folks. Welcome to Life Point. I'm your host, Tom Doherty, and I have uh, Max Buchanan with me. Hi, Max. How's it going? Good. Well, we finished a week last week in Thessalonians. Thessalonians. Max has been doing a study at the church with that, and so I had him come, and he's going to be sharing quite a bit about that. This week, we'll finish that. I'm going to make him rush it because we're going to get through it because we got some other things for next week. But uh, anyway, it's been great at church, and uh, so we're going to talk some more about that as he goes through the Word of God, and I'll input some as we go. But uh, let's pray first. Our Heavenly Father, thanks for the day. Thanks for Pastor Max. Thanks for his ministry at uh, Cloverdale and his ministry around the valley. And God, I pray you just open our hearts and our minds to your your will. And God, that we would seek your scripture and seek you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So where are we at, Max? We're actually in chapter 2. So as we get into chapter 2, we've seen basically the birth of this church, and we've seen how Paul is encouraging them and describes them as a church that is uh, faithful to the things of God, uh, that is loving, and that um, also is full of hope. And so as we get into chapter 2, now he switches to his leadership. And so uh, we'll go ahead and pick up there, and we'll talk through some of these ideas, and we'll get through chapter 2. All right. All right. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of all this conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And so that was one through four. But I was just thinking of of that idea a lot as we were, you know, prepping all of these things and looking at it. He goes through and says that he'd been in Philippi, which you can read that account in Acts chapter 16. As they were there, they were basically flogged um, by the the government, and so they were publicly flogged, shamefully treated, and kicked out. So the next place he goes was Thessalonica, and he's thinking, like, this could happen again, and yet he knew that the gospel had to be proclaimed with boldness. And he said, again, you could tell there was no attempt uh, to really try to deceive or gain anything from anybody. And... Uh, and I mean, obviously, that's a good characteristic of any pastor, um, you know, and I think it just of how important because this goes through and as it goes through, um, you know, the entirety of this chapter, he's really talking about his uh, character and his leadership and stuff like that. And uh, we talk a lot about it because we're of the holiness movement. Right. But um just thinking through like your ministry and everything like that, how incredibly important has been your your character and reputation, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, going into it. I mean, you've been a pastor for forever. Yeah, a lot of years. <laughs> and so uh, how would you say the importance of, of, you know, living a godly life? And, I mean, obviously we're all going to screw up, but just overall our character and being concerned about our witness, I how important is that? I think our influence is huge, Max. Uh, you know— as you know, we as even pastors have not been perfect. Mm-hmm. I certainly made plenty of mistakes in my life, and, and even in my ministry, you know, things I wished I would have done differently and this and that. But on the most part, you know, we, we, I certainly try to be live a holy life. Mm-hmm. I'm not a perfect man. 
and sometimes I say things maybe I shouldn't say, mm-hmm. or sometimes I don't respond to something as I should respond. And so, uh, but on the most part, I want to live for Jesus. I want to be in tune with him because I know that uh, we have great things in store for us. And so I, yeah, I just think influence is big. But I, And I'm looking at this verse as I, I pulled out the Bible online here, and I'm looking at it, and it says, in fact, it's running without me here, and so it, <laughs> it doesn't work very well. But he says, though we have already suffered and been shamefully treated, uh, Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our heart. Why, why do you think that uh, he's telling the listeners, reminding them that they've been shamefully treated? Uh, I mean— Yeah, I think the reason why he brings it up again is just to say, like, this is how important the gospel is to us, that we were willing to proclaim it to you, even though we'd just been shamefully treated and going to an area that is much the same. So the possibility of them being shamefully treated again because of their faith in Jesus is high. And essentially that does happen in the church in Thessalonica, right? Like they get chased out. They're in Jason's house. They get chased out. Um, in Acts 17, they were only able to be there a month. And so they weren't beat publicly, but he was saying that this is the you know the reality of going into these places and reasoning from the scriptures and sharing the gospel is it's, it's needed, A, because God has entrusted him with the gospel, but B, the, down, you know, the downside to it is that this happens a lot. There is people that rise up against you. And again, I think also there's an encouragement factor because the church in Thessalonica is still dealing with the persecution. And so many times, oftentimes when Paul writes, he'll say, you suffered like this church. And he does that in, even in this chapter, um, as we'll kind of go through and I know, and he, says, and he says, I don't come with flattery. Yeah. I don't, I don't come here to uh, candy coat stuff. Yeah. You know, that's what I like about Paul. You know, it, mm-hmm. you know, he's pretty straightforward. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Verse five, for we never came to you with words of flattery or as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we made, uh, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being uh, affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but of our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. While we proclaimed to you uh, the words of the gospel, the gospel of God, you are the witness and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you, believers. For you know, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And uh, when we were talking about this in church, he starts making these comparisons, and he says that he was gentle like a mother, right? Yep. And, and sacrificial, giving of his own self. But then he was an example like a father that showed them how to be holy, blameless, um, you know, holy, blameless, and righteous. And so um, it's kind of an interesting really parallel that he's drawing here because he says, I came to you, again, with not words of flattery, but I treated you gently like a mother who, you know, loves her newborn child that needs to provide for it and and have structure to it. And then he (laughs) said, but I was also a father. I was just thinking about your example. Tell about your example of that. 
So it was pretty funny when uh, when my first uh, kid was born, Conrad. Uh, it was under some interesting kind of crazy circumstances and stuff. And so he was born five weeks early. We're up in the recovery room, and uh, they were – they were saying we should probably take him down to the NICU just to put him under one of those heat lamps. We're like, okay. Um, you know, and, and my wife, you know, is a first time mom. So she's like, I just want to spend more time with the baby. They're like, you have to stay in recovery. We'll get you down there as fast as possible. So they're like, dad, you come with me. And I'm like, all right. So I'm still in the scrubs, everything we run down there. And now I'm just posted up there. And it was like this overwhelming feeling again, like I, you know, brand new dad, I'm looking at this baby that I'm now fully responsible for. It's under this heat lamp. I'm like, okay, where's mom? She needs to get here to take care of this thing. Right. <laughs> and so I'm just saying, I have this moment where I realize how Paul felt. I'm like, I'm so responsible for this. And, uh, they kept telling us, they're like, oh, man, it's a closed unit, so you don't have to worry about it. There's going to be no visitors. Mom will be able to get you know, her hands on that baby, and that will be it as soon as she's able to come down. And so they're like, you have to buzz people in and out. There's a whole process to it. Well, like 15 minutes into me being in the NICU, I heard voices that I recognized, and one was my mom, and the other was my mother-in-law, <laughs> and they had just gotten around security, didn't care, just got right into that NICU, and they were coming in, they are looking at the baby baby trying to hold him and stuff like he's under this heat lamp for a reason you know and I'm all freaked out but um, you know and I just remember my mom's telling me she's like just don't you feel so responsible it's like almost overwhelming I'm like yeah thanks for that um, you know I do feel super overwhelmed and responsible and so I could just imagine how Paul was feeling because he was he said I cared for them like a mother did, but then yeah. also had to be the example like the father and that's a difficult thing to do I mean the Bible calls us to be as shrewd as vipers and as gentle as doves. And I think that this is the same comparison. He's saying, I was gentle like a nursing mother, but I was also a father that called you to this life. And just thinking of those different roles, even in my household, how Jen takes care of the kids and mothers them. And then, you know, how I want to be this example of, uh, you know, a godly husband to my wife, somebody that works hard and that calls my kids to, to walk in the same manner of righteousness. And so, um, it's an interesting comparison he makes for sure. It's kind of funny as he as you told the story you told about your mom was going to get in there no matter what. Yeah, I know both your mom and your mother in law. Yeah, and your mom I can't imagine your mother in law being that way. But no, your but mom, my mom. See that yeah, she, she's pretty assertive. She's kind of like you. To, you yeah. Know, <laughs> hey, if I'm going to you're, you're going to you're going to see me whether you like it or not. I, yeah, exactly. Well, my daughter Kaylee when she was born she was in she was six and a half weeks early. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Three pounds, mm-hmm. and I had to carry her. They told me just carry her straight over to the incubator. Yeah. So I had to carry and nobody could see her. I had to wrap yeah. it up, walk through the uh, waiting room, and they're all like, what? It's a, yeah. I told them the name. It's a girl, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it got through there, put her in the incubator, and nobody could come in. But yeah. uh, Joy, uh, our friend Joy Snyder and mm-hmm. my wife, of course, my wife eventually got wheeled in there, but Joy yeah. was Joy was in there first. Joy got to hold Kaylee before anybody kept in. <laughs> you know, Denise yeah. hadn't even got to hold her, but it. Yeah. But I just, yeah, you man, you look at those things; they're so little. I said yeah. Kaylee looked like a little skin something. She was so well, three pounds and fifteen inches long. I'd say, yeah. Take that a ruler, add three, and uh, yeah, exactly. That's so but, tiny. But, how, but you know, being like a newborn mother, man, you just you take care of that kid. Exactly. We brought her home from the hospital at four two. Oh dang! So you know, and yeah. 
took her a year to get. She was fifteen three at one after one year. Oh dang! Yeah. yeah, and so again, like I think that this is the perfect way in which Paul describes this church. He just f- felt so dear, like they were so dear to him, yeah. and that's really what this chapter is talking about. Is is his leadership? He's like, it's hard to to be away from you. I desire to see you face to face, and uh, you know that's an incredibly powerful, you know, an incredibly powerful. Uh, metaphor that's in here. And then we can just finish out the chapter real quick before it's time for us to go. But it says, and we also thank God constantly for you uh, when we received the word of God in which you heard from us and accepted it, not as the word of men, but as as for what it really was, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as did the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets. And you drove us out and and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So, as always, fill up the measure of your sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Yep. We got to wrap up, but one one quick thing on that is I like that. It said you become imitators. Mm -hmm. So they started doing some great things. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're recognized. Absolutely. So, hey, thanks, Max. We'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, thanks for having me. Lord bless you, folks. LifePoint is a ministry of the Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast or would like more information about the church, please call us at 208-362-1700 or write to Cloverdale Church of God, 3755 South Cloverdale Road, Boise, Idaho, 83709. You may also visit us at our website, www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.